This is a recording of The Forest Cottage by Maddie Malfoy, narrated by Facing Northwind from hpfanfic.com. The rating is A. Hiking through the nearby forest was a frequent pastime for those wanting an escape from their daily lives stuck in a metallic city. Most hikers went to the warm springs or the waterfall with the large natural pool that were just over a mile into the forest. A few went on the more difficult trails that had steeper, rocky terrain and unclear footpaths. These select hikers sometimes stumbled upon a half-hidden cottage if they were lost off the path. The cottage itself blended in with the surrounding trees and foliage. It was tucked between six large sycamore trees and was built from large logs into a simple A-frame house. There were small rounded windows on either side of the door with nearly overflowing flower boxes and native flowers and bushes were planted all around the sides of the cottage leading to the good camouflage. A small chimney poked through some of the upper branches of two of the sycamore trees, occasionally releasing small puffs of smoke into the air above the tree line before dissipating with the ever-blowing breeze. Once the hikers were invited inside, they always agreed how cosy and welcoming the cottage was to their host. The inhabitant of the cottage seemed normal enough for someone who lived alone in the woods, if just a bit aggressive about making the hikers some tea. The tea was always fresh and the perfect temperature for sipping and made them all feel better almost immediately. Soon enough the hikers were ready to leave the cosy forest cottage and return to the city of metal from which they'd came. However, as soon as they were out of direct sight of the cottage, it left their memory as if it had never happened, even to those who had ventured there many, many times. This, of course, begs the question of witchcraft, which, of course, it was, but what else could it be? The occupant of the cottage was someone often referred to as a forest witch, but her friends simply know her as Amaryllis. She has brightly coloured hair that changes between violet, teal, and emerald green and the flickering firelight from her hearth. The witch stands at an average height of five and a half feet tall, with a wiry frame deceptive of her true strength. Her hazel eyes glow golden for a few seconds as she wordlessly warms her teacup back to the proper temperature and takes a sip of raspberry tea. She slips a hand into her pants pocket and withdraws a crushed wildflower. Amaryllis whispers into her cupped palm, eyes glowing again, and the wildflower springs back into fullness as she sets it in a large flower pot full of nutrient-rich earth near a window. She bends down and runs a hand along the scales on his side in a moment of affection for her little dragon, Erephi. He'd been with her since she was three, when she found him stuck and bleeding in a thicket of brambles. She freed him and then brought him home to her parents' house and cleaned him up with the intention of releasing him back into the forest near where she had found him. Her parents, however, had different ideas, considering they knew much more about what it meant for her to find this creature. She was told he was destined to be her familiar and be with her for the rest of her days. Amaryllis, being three, did not fully understand what his companionship would mean to her, but now, twenty years later, they had been through much together. She gives him one last pet before rising and stretching, enjoying the pops and cracks of her joints resettling after a long day of working. As she goes to settle into her favourite chair by the hearth, she hears a gentle knock on her front door. Slightly perplexed as she checks the late hour on the digital clock above the oven her friends insisted she have, she rises and opens the door a crack to get a visual on her caller. Amaryllis lets out a squeal when she sees that it is her friend Marcella, laden with a canvas bag full of chocolate and other treats that Amaryllis loves. "'Come in! Come in, Marcella!' she exclaims, hugging her excitedly once she'd stepped through the doorway. "'I didn't think you were coming over tomorrow because you were hung up at work!' 
She sets her goodies on Amaryllis's kitchen table and replies, I ended up getting my project done sooner than expected thanks to a friendly environmental policy guy who practically leapt at the chance to get back in the lab. Amaryllis hands Marcella a mug of her favourite jasmine tea and settles into her armchair again, waving a hand over her teacup to warm hers back up to temperature. Is this the same guy who drafted that bill to protect chemists and potioneers from having their creation stolen by the other a few years back when he was only, like, twenty? Marcella nods her head. Yes, his name is Percival, and I'm very thankful for getting out of my PhD program now rather than a few years back when that wasn't illegal to do yet. She sips her tea and moves to stand next to the low-burning fire. Have you thought about my offer yet, Amory? At the mention of this topic once again, Amarella stiffens, and Erafia stirs awake, sensing the tension in his witch. She knows Marcella is only being a friend, but she can't help the feeling of guilt that seeps into her stomach. Marcella has done so much for her already after her parents passed four years back, she would feel wrong taking advantage of her kindness again so soon. Erafia jumps lightly into Amarella's lap, careful not to snag his claws on her clothes, and gives Marcella one of his withering looks. She sticks her tongue out at the little dragon in response and refocuses her attention on Amaryllis. Well, I know you hate to owe people or whatever, but I think you deserve to do so much more. You can pay me back once you have a steadier income from being a veterinarian like you've always wanted to do since we were kids, Marcella continues. Amaryllis says, I understand where you're coming from, Mer. I really do, but it's just not the right time yet. I'll get my vet license when I have the money and the time. I help the creatures that come to my door here, and their gratitude is more than enough right now. Marcella finishes her cup of tea and responds, Okay, I'll stop bothering you about it for now. She sets her mug down. And I know I can always come to you if my cat is having issues again, and just to pay you in chocolate. They both laugh at that statement, and the tension in the cottage dissipates easily. Erafi nips gently at Amarellis's finger, letting her know that he's hungry after some time goes by while the two women have been chatting. Well, all right, I guess you should have some dinner now, hmm? Amarellis says, lifting him up from her lap and putting him on the floor. She stands and opens his mini door next to Marcella's chair and puts a magical timer on it for forty-five minutes to ensure he's back before she wants to sleep. Seeing Marcella's empty mug, she waves her hand and levitates it to the kitchen, where she quickly brews another mug full of jasmine tea and sends it back to Marcella. Amarellis then decides she's a little hungry as well, and nabs the last two pieces of cake from her fridge for them to eat. The pair stay up for another two hours eating and talking, enjoying a nice evening off from work and stress at the glittering city nearby. When Arafi returns from catching his dinner, he leaps up into Marcella's lap, much to her delight. She spends thirty minutes scratching him in all the places he can't reach very well. He snuggles into her lap more securely as he tires, and dozes off just before Marcella does as well. Amarella slowly lifts the sleeping Arafi from Marcella's lap and puts him in his bed, tucking his tiny blanket over him. She gently taps Marcella's shoulder to wake her. Ma, it's pretty late now. Do you want to just stay here, or will you be fine to go home? She asks. Marcella rubs the sleep from her eyes and answers, No, I think I'll be okay to go home. Could you cast a protective charm for me, though? Amaryllis does, as asked, and stays looking out her front door until she can no longer see Marcella's retreating form in the darkness of the forest. Then she does her nightly tidying up in the kitchen. 
rinsing the mugs and setting them in the dish-rack to dry overnight. She banks the fire to keep it from going out overnight and whispers a spell over it to keep the smoke moving upwards. Finally, she crawls into her bed and reflects on her day and evening with Marcella before falling into a dreamless sleep. Maybe some day soon she'll be able to do a job she truly loves and feel more comfortable spending time in the metallic city, away from her cosy forest cottage.